because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, even before you made Christ your Lord and Savior, you that are Christians and you that are not need to hear this, even before you became a Christian, Christ loved you and God, his Father, loved you. It says, even we were dead in trespasses and made us alive together. Now, that word alive there is not talking about natural life. It's talking about spiritual life. Because what happens when you are born again, your spirit was abiding in a state of death, right? When you were born, because God pronounced that if Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that what would happen? They would die. And he was talking about their spirit, who they were, would die. And so ever since that time, every child that was born has been born with a soul, your decision-making resources, your mind, will, and emotion, and a body, flesh, blood, and bones. But your spirit has been dormant like it's been dead. It's been laying in a dormant place, not activated. The only thing that could activate it is the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, right? So John 3, whenever Nicodemus had came to Jesus to ask him what must he do to be saved, he, Jesus said, well, what must I do to, to enter into the kingdom? He said, well, first of all, to see the kingdom of God, he said, uh, you must be born again. And he said, well, how, how can I be born again? What, how do I do that? And he said, you must be born again by the Spirit and the wash of the Word. He said, well, how can I do that? He said, my mother's, I'm old. My mother's been deceased a long time ago. How can I go in a dead woman's womb and be born, basically? And then Jesus didn't back off. Then he said, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And he went on and explained it through revelation. And I think Nicodemus probably ended up later on getting it, but he didn't right then. And what he was saying is, whenever you are born again, that spirit that, you, that abides in you in a state of death, that's what got born again in you when you gave your life to Christ. You hear about the born again experience. What's that mean? The spirit, the intuition and communion and consciousness of God has been lying asleep in you. When you are born again, what happens? Now that spirit man is awakened and Christ is in you, and you are in Christ, and the only way you can do that is through the Spirit. Why? Because Christ is not in the earth. Christ is where? At the throne of the right hand of the Father. Hmm, okay, just a little quick lesson for you. I'm going somewhere. So by grace you have been saved. So he called us alive together with Christ. So with him, by grace you have been saved, it says, verse 6, look now, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Now, how many of you had an experience when you gave your life to Christ, did you physically and tangibly float up into the heavens and sit by the Father? So if you didn't do it physically, then it was spiritual, right? The Bible says that when you were saved by grace through faith, what happened when you were saved by grace through faith, your spirit, who you really are, was dead, but now that it's born again, now that spirit is in Christ and Christ is in it, and it says that even your spirit has a place of position with Christ next to him on the throne. That's what the Bible says. He has made us where? Sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might know, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Now, grace, charis in the Greek, that is the root word. That is the gift. And where all gifts flow from is grace. 
salvation, healing, deliverance, provision, everything flows through grace. Show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness. How does God do it? He showed us his grace, his kindness through Jesus Christ. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved what through faith and that not of yourselves because it is a gift of God. So, before you were born again, your mind is the one that's supposed to be in charge. The problem is whenever we give our life to Christ, our spirit is perfect. It is reborn and it's new, but our soul, our mind, what? It's still unsaved. It's still a mess. It's got to be what? Regenerated. It's got to be. So what? Romans 12, 2, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind to prove what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. God doesn't have a good will or an acceptable or perfect will separate of each other. It's all, his will is good, acceptable, and perfect. That's the only will God has for your life. He doesn't have a, you know, level one, level two, level three will. You're his kids. He's already given you all of his gifts and his strength, put you in him, and he's letting you reign in position with him as little brother and little sister to big brother Jesus. This is what Scripture teaches. But see, without revelation, your mind right now, if you've never heard a teaching like that, what in the world is he talking about? So therefore, until you can only live and operate in the power and authority of grace God's given you, tap into that according to your revelation, to what is revealed that you can understand through God's word and hear it, see it, and receive it. That, that's as far as you can go. So if you want what God has for you and the fullness of God and who he is, I'm still on a journey just like you are, renewing my mind more and more and more to get more information, more knowledge, more revelation, because when I get the revelation, it stirs my faith, and I can't access anything from God without faith. Does that help anyone? Okay, so there's two things that control what you think about every moment of your life. Two things control what you think about every moment of your life. It controls what you feel. They control what you do. They control anything you want to be involved in or anything you want to be a part of, what you think is injustice, whatever. There's two things, two controlling factors. And those two controlling factors are your beliefs and your values. Your beliefs and your values. Now, beliefs mean this. It's a feeling of certainty or a mindset about what something means. It's a feeling of certainty or a mindset. You, you, you have these beliefs and you have a mindset on what you believe, right? Once you make your mind up to believe something, do you believe it? If someone tried to tell you they could take Jesus from your heart, would you accept that? Why? Because you have a feeling of certainty that you're right, don't you? You've experienced it. You know it. You see it in the Scripture. And you, you, you confess your sin. You receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you were saved by grace through faith. So who could take that from you? Well, what I want you to understand, every truth in the kingdom operates by the same principle. Every truth. Healing operates that way. We've had people in this church, blind eyes open. We've had deaf ears open. We've had people get heart transplants. We've had all kinds of cool stuff. And where does that come from? It comes from the same grace. It's the same grace that saved you. 
It's the same grace that woke your spirit up. It's the same grace that now is ascended into the heavenly position with Christ at the right hand of the Father. See, that is the, that is who should be on your throne. Your throne is what's above your shoulders. You can have the mind of Christ or you can have your mind. How's that working for you? That's what I thought. So a belief is what? A feeling of certainty about what something means. Now, there's two kinds of beliefs. Two kinds. Everybody say two kinds. The first kind is global belief. Global belief is what I believe about out there. Global belief is what I believe about the world. Global beliefs is what I believe about politics. Global beliefs is what I think is injustice and justice in the world. It's to do with the big global things. You know, the big things you just kind of make your mind up and put it in a ball and put it in your pocket and don't agree with somebody if they don't agree with you because that's your global belief. But then there's a personal belief that we all have, which is called your rules. Everybody say, my rules. Those are beliefs that you are firmly convicted on, just like your salvation. You know, nobody can tell you that you're not saved. Why? Because you felt it. You know it. You confessed it. You're living it. You've been transformed. You're different. So you're so certain about that feeling, aren't you? And that belief is a rule in your life now that you know what salvation is and nobody can take it from you. Is that true? So here's what I want you to get. That same principle operates in every area of your life. You set the rules if you're going to be happy or sad. You set the rules if you think you're successful or not successful. You set the rules. Now, what we need to do is set our rules according to what God said about us because he has a lot greater opinion of you and I than we do of ourselves. He said, you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. He said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. The Bible says whatever's happening in you is greater than what's happening to you. The Bible says no weapon formed against you can even prosper. But you saying, why does everybody keep picking on me? Oh, my, my, why does everybody keep picking on poor little me? Why is it always me that gets hurt and me that they lie on and me that they steal for? Why is it me, Lord? Why is it me? And he don't even hear that. Because he, he can feel your infirmities and sufferings, but he can only hear when you come through the petition of faith. So we have two kinds of beliefs, right? We have global beliefs and we have our personal beliefs, our rules. The second thing that is a controlling factor of everything you think about, you do, or you want to do is your values. Everybody say my values. So values are another mindset. They're emotional states that you believe are most important to you. Values are, are emotional states or mindsets about what you believe is most important to you that you want to feel or that you want to avoid. So when I have values of, well, if I am faithful in this area of my life, I have a value to believe, you know, at that certain values like you do. And when you have a value and you really believe that value, right, and emotionally, you're connected with that value through the truth and the words you're connected with that value. You've experienced it and know it's true. Then how can someone convince you that that value is wrong, right? So as we understand that. But then there's values, things you've done in the past or things you know if you did do, right, would bring great pain. So does anybody want to add pain to your life? So what do we do as Christians or as human beings? We want to what? Avoid pain. If that wasn't the case, every one of us would be fit and buff because we'd work out all the time, but we don't like being 
discomforted, right? We don't like walk around hurting just to, so you can look good. Amen. But somebody says the preacher needs to, right? I'm, I'm trying. It's just not high on my value list like it should be. But that don't make me right. That makes me wrong because I'm not stupid. I know if I work out more consistently than I do, I will be healthier and be uh, more into life and be able to live longer. But until I value that at a higher level, it's going to be fifth or sixth on my list instead of my top three or four. Unless something happened with my belief and I went and met with a doctor and he did a checkup on me or she did a checkup on me and said, you know, if you don't turn this around, your heart's a mess, you won't live another two or three years. You won't see your grandkids. You won't see your kids get married. You won't, you won't be preaching that church much longer, preacher. You better get stuff right. If you don't take care of your body, you're not going to be around here more than three years. Woo. All of a sudden, that value that was number 10 down here jumped up to number one. But how does a value move in your life? Only by the belief you give to it. Why is God always trying to tell you that he loves you and he wants you to put him first? Aren't we supposed to put Christ first in our life? If we put Christ first in our life, we have a lot less suffering. You'll still have some suffering, but it'd be for him. You have a lot less suffering. But when you don't put him first and you put other things you value, I just need freedom. You know, I just need to be me. You know, I, 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 I just need to have fun. You know, I, I just need to express my talents. You know, I need to establish my career. I, I need to take care of my family. And you know what God says? Take care of your family because that's your family, not mine. Take care of your career because it's not my career. Take care of your feelings because... I have no control over them. You do whatever you want with your stuff. You take your toys, go home, play with yourself. He doesn't really care, except that he knows your values are out of line. Because you don't have a strong enough to believe in Christ of what he's already done for you and what he could give you. What if when you spoke, your body was healed? Well, Peter's shadow healed the sick. He knew something we didn't know. It's not just because he was an apostle, right? It's because he had a revelation of Christ. And the greater the revelation you get of Christ and his glory, the greater the glory God's manifested presence to be in your life. And if you put anything or anyone beyond that, you'll never have what's best for you. Give God a hand clap of praise. So we have our... We have our beliefs, two kinds of beliefs, global, your personal, which is really your rules for happiness, and then you have what? Your values, which are your mindset or your emotional state over what you believe is most important that you want to experience or avoid. We call it you want to go toward or away from, right? Now, there's, now let's look at this. So whenever you give your life to Christ, you're not who you used to be right? The problem is, so the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, says that, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, what? If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. So you're not who you were. He is a new creation. What? Old things have passed away. Behold, not some or a few, all things have become new. So he's saying, 
all those old mindsets are in the past. All the doubt and the fear and feeling that you're hated or you're not loved or you're not good enough or you don't measure, all that's gone unless you don't keep it buried and you get it back up on your throne. So if I'm in Christ, I'm not who I used to be because who I really am was abiding in a state of death. When I was born again, I became what? A king's kid. The Bible says that when we give our life to Christ, what happens? We, become, we receive his inheritance. He is the firstborn among many brethren. We're all of his little brothers and sisters, and we're supposed to be just like him. But if your mindset and your beliefs and your values are more, you value the old, you can't have, you can do it, you just won't be very happy. You know, you got to make a decision when you give your life to Christ. Am I going to go all in for the new me and learn who I am to become? Or am I going to get a little bit of that and a little bit of the old me? You know, I think Jesus said something, the scripture says something in the book of Revelation, doesn't it? I'd rather you be hot or a code, but if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I don't know what that means for the church in America. Well, I think I do, but I don't want to really say it right now. What is it when you're lukewarm? Lukewarm means I'm just around the heat enough to get filled in a little something, but I don't want to get too hot, right? It's like goatee bear and all that, and three little bears eating that porridge, you know, what's too hot, not hot, not And that's the way a lot of Christians are. They got that... that that three little bear Christianity they got going on. Three little pigs, right? Three little pigs. No, the bear, huh? I got two, see, I got two stories going. I got the three little pigs, and then I, and then I got Goldilocks. That's the way many Christians live their lives. Was that a good save or what? Come on now, you got to give me a little bit. Give the preacher a little credit. That's a good save. And that's the way we live our life, though, isn't it? We, we live a little in God's mindset, a little in our old mindset, right? And if somebody tries to tell you different, you get mad. I know, because I see you looking at me sometimes like you just want to shoot me. I see you elbowing your poor husband. You probably broke his ribs when I say certain things. Amen. Hallelujah. But see, your past is not supposed to define you. Your past is not supposed to define you. You're supposed to be defined by who God says you are. He said you're what? The head not tail above, not beneath, and all that good stuff. But it doesn't really matter if you don't believe it. Globally, you believe it. Yeah, God can't lie. I read it in the scripture. Globally, it's out there just, you know, like I think it's warm in Fiji right now. I just don't know, but it probably is. And that's the way people think about their authority in Christ. That's the way Christians think about. They don't want to think too much about it because their head hurts because it's like, you mean I can have all that, but then I got to pay this price over here where then that means I got to let some of these old beliefs go and some of these old values I had go because if I get really serious for God, I got this little habit I love over here that I know God said I can't do. So if I get too hot over here, I got to let this thing I value because it just helps me get rid of my stress and it just helps me. So there's conflict. Yeah. And then we go moaning and groaning to God when something don't go our way and, we, and we're, we're upset and frustrated and we're blaming it on God and God has nothing to do with your conflict. Right. 
He is exactly who he said he's going to be. He said, I am God and I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed in Malachi 3. The word of God says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. He hasn't changed. The only key is, will you change? Will I change? We are supposed to do what? Go from what? Glory to glory. What's that mean? Manifested presence to manifested presence. Manifested presence to manifested presence. So, who's on your throne? Are you still on your throne? What your parents thought about you when you were a kid on your throne? Well, let's talk about that for a second. Where do my values come from? Our parents, number one, when, and in the beginning, right? Experiences. So every experience you have that is either pleasure or pain establishes your values. Anybody have a value of not going up and taking your finger and touch? A, a pot on a stove of hot boiling water. Anybody got a value that that's my value, right? I know that I am not. One value is don't touch the hot pot on the stove, right? Well, how did you learn that? You either touched it or you had a sibling that touched it or heard about it and it got up close enough to go, that's true. <laughs> how many of you have a value that gravity is true? That if I go up on this building and step off, I, you know, what goes up or, or even stand there, that when it steps out, it will go down. You got to value that gravity is true. But do you have a value that you're not enough and you're stupid and why can't you be as good as your sister or your brother is? Do you have a value of, you see, we're parents and we, nobody, isn't it funny? God doesn't give you an instruction manual. I mean, he gives you the Bible, but you know, you're still trying to get you straight, let alone learn how to do your family, right? And, 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 you know, you only get, you don't get a practice. Well, you do. You get a practice run with your kids, and you really got it down with your grandkids, right? That's why everybody, well, you didn't treat me that way. Yeah, I learned from you, dummy. That's right, yeah. I don't want that again. No, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> Greg's like, you're right. <laughs> so, so where did you get your values from? So the, the values you have, how you treat your spouse, is probably how you saw your parents treat each other. And if you didn't have a parent in the home, you had one or something, you learn from what you see in your friends and what you see in leaders around you. So what happens is we establish our values based on the beliefs we have from the experiences we've had. And that becomes a value to us. So, so one of the values that I have really strong is, and Steph has strong is we determined, you know, that divorce is not an option. You know, even before we got married, and, and we want to do everything we can to, we never, like, if we get in an argument or something, which really isn't that often, but when we do, we've got a covenant that we got to come to bed sometime that night, maybe early in the morning, but we cannot sleep on the couch or anywhere. we got to be together. That, that'll cause you to say you're sorry, you know, when you're crawling back in bed after you've been an idiot. <laughs> She's never had to experience it. That's my side of the bed. Her side of the bed, that's not the issue, right? That's my side coming in. And I kind of whisper it, but she's, okay. I was like, oh, I thought she was asleep. <laughs> that means I'm wrong, right? So, so we establish our values, how we treat our girlfriends, how we treat our boyfriends, how we treat our spouses, how we pick our spouse. We, we do that, what careers we choose and all that. So why does that happen? It's reinforced by your belief system because any of you all ever did something that didn't line up with your parents' values and they spanked you? They're right. And so what happens, after a while, you got to determine when you get a little older, is that going to be your value or not? 
Now, we do that in families, but now get this, we do that in church too, right? We, get that, we do that in church and in religion too. So the same values that the church I had when I was a little boy in Sunday school, my values have, are some similar, but a lot are not because they didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't believe in the gifts of power, of healing, and miracles. Now, what if I just preached the gospel and some people get saved? That's good and all that. But no one ever got healed in my ministry. Anybody in here ever been healed through my ministry? Anybody? Right? Sherry just got healed of lupus this past month, right, Sherry? So people's been healed, but if I'd kept that old value that, you know, that's a little too hot, a little too crazy, let's just keep it over here and be sanctified and saved, right? But if I had accepted that value as truth and never challenged it by the word, then there would be a lot of people not healed because I never changed my values. Now, I didn't change my values because I didn't love my church I grew up in. I changed my values because the more I heard the word of God and read the word of God and experienced God, it changed my belief. So a lot of times, things that upset you in church is a value that you had when you was a little boy or a little girl in Sunday school. How long can church service be? How long can worship be, right? What are you wearing or not wearing, right? Do you have a suit and tie, dress down to your ankles? You've got makeup on? My goodness, man. Grandma didn't have that on up on the platform. Now, you wear it out to the clubs, but you can't wear it on the platform. Oh, you'd be surprised how warped people are. I had a friend back before I was saved that worked for me, and he belonged to a certain denomination that didn't believe in makeup or anything. They didn't believe in live instruments in the church. And he would sing there. But he'd say, and he'd visit my church. All they had was a piano. My goodness. He wasn't like, they didn't even have drums. He's like, I can't go to your church. Why? You got live music. You got instruments up there. Well, what was interesting? I said, well, who the heck are you? Because my friend played lead guitar in a band in a bar. But he's witnessing to me that it's of the devil to play a piano in a church. Now, you look at me like that's crazy. But there's still lots of people still believe that. How messed up is that kind of stuff? So think about when you're witnessing the people at work and family and friends that you're just not totally goofy. Grace them a little bit, right? And when someone challenges your value or your belief, listen and then research it. Because you'll never have the fullness of Christ on your throne if you stay in your rituals. So when we come to church, it's like this. One of my values is to be loved and to love, right? Well, you know, I have a value. I'm emotionally connected. It's really important to me to be loved. But what's crazy is I got my own rules of how I'm loved, right? And over the years, Steph's learned that. Steph's, one of her values is to be loved and to love, but she has certain rules of what love is to her. A lot of our rules line up, but some don't. So your, your, your rule to be loved, especially when you're first dating is, we got to communicate every 15 minutes. You know? If you really love me, you'll kiss me. Right? You got rules. If you, you'll show affection. Someone else might be, you don't show affection because their parents didn't show affection. I love you. What do you mean we got to have, have affection? 
That's not got anything to do with my love for you. The other person might say, well, you're crazy. If you don't love me, I mean, I, I sit on the bus with people and it don't bother me, but when I love somebody, I want affection. It doesn't mean one's right or wrong. What it means is we have our rules of how we're loved. We have our rules of how we give love. Now let's take that to God. You have rules of what you feel is anointing and what you don't. You have rules of what you feel is good preaching and not preaching. You have your rules of what's good music and not good music. You have your rules of what the temperature should be in the church and the atmosphere and the level of the sound should be. You have certain rules, and any time you feel conflict and other people are in a blessing, you might want to search your values and your rules because maybe you have some jacked up rules and you're not in the presence of God because grandma didn't do it that way and there's hundreds of other people standing in the glory of God walking out with a smile on their face and you're mad. You don't even know why you're mad. Well, why are you mad, honey? Wasn't it a great service? No, why wasn't it? You can't even tell them why it wasn't. Well, it just wasn't, what's our famous words? That just wasn't the way I was raised in church. Well, well, who's on your throne, church or Jesus? Isn't Jesus the head of the church? It sounds to me like you're wagging a tail that tells where the head should be. The scripture says he's the head of church. So even Jesus trumps Bethel Harvest. Even Jesus trumps your tradition and your, where you're from and what you think's right or wrong. So many things that are in conflict that keep people from the presence and the glory of God and keep miracles and signs and wonders happening and keep, you know, unconditional love and grace flowing is just old values. Things that we just, well, it just feels good to me. Well, you know, it's not a kingdom of feelings. Don't make me sing old Barry Manilow, Mr. Pratt Plastic Man, right? I'm amazed that dude's still alive. I think he's alive. And he looks like he did when he was 25. You know that's, you know that's freaky. It's got to be 90, 85. He's out in Branson, Missouri. I think that's where all the plastic people are now. <laughs> right? I could tell you a story about that. Stephanie, I visited there one day, but I won't, she said. Trying to be good. See, her value's a little different than me. She calmed me. She knows, honey, that rule don't work. Just calm down. <laughs> Let me wrap this up. So God's design is for our spirit and our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and then your spirit, your intuition, and communion, and conscience of God, to be renewed. Galatians 6, verses 14 through 16, the scripture says, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In other words, when he was, when we are crucified, when we are born again, we are actually accepting his crucifixion, his death and burial. He paid the price for us. But here's the cool thing. You're not supposed to just stay around the cross. Remember what I read to you in Ephesians? And we are res, raised up with him in heavenly places together in him, and he is us. Ephesians 5, 8 says, for you were once in darkness, but now you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. In other words, he said, let people see me through you, not you through you. Stop giving your opinion and start giving my opinion. That's what God's saying. 
There's things I preached and pounded and thumped for years, and I learned out later, yeah, that probably was a little off. I'll have to change that. <laughs> and some of you who's been here 20 years with me have seen me change over time. But, but what happened is if I'm not willing to change, I'm not growing. If I'm not growing, I'm If I'm not growing, I'm Some people don't want to go to church and grow. They like to go and have the same thing every week. I'd go crazy. They like the same thing. That was just or don't, don't, same, you know, what is it? Two, two parts and the third, what is it? Second, two, first two verses and the last verse. Don't waste my time on those middle verses. It takes too long. Amen. They like the same thing. But they don't like to eat the same food. They don't like the same movies. They want variety. They, they don't want the same events happening all the time at the house. They don't want it work to be the same in mundane. But they want church to be the same. The reason they want it to be the same is because that's where their learning stopped. And now it challenges their values and their belief system, and they don't like it because they're too lazy to search it out for themselves. Wow. When we look at the belief system of our younger folks, pick on the millennials for a minute, because I can. I got the microphone. And so, and I have to, so I can do that. So, anyway, so if you get frustrated with your kids and some of their points of view about sex, politics, religion, shame on you. You turn them over to a system that doesn't have the same values you do. And you're too lazy, you let that system infiltrate their mind without ever teaching them and challenging some of the things they were being taught. As a matter of fact, you didn't have enough conversations with them. They didn't even want to waste your time with them because you didn't have time. You had to eat dinner. You had to get the lawn mowed. You had to get the laundry done. And now you're moaning and groaning because they're older and they believe certain things about sex and certain things about other stuff and you're all tore up about it. Well, just repent because it's not them, it's you. Say, Gertrude, we go to church down the road. The preacher don't call me out like that. <laughs> well, ma'am, sir, I didn't call you out unless it's you. Come on, Pastor. <laughs> if it fits, wear it. Right. But stop whining and moaning and groaning at your millennials. Sit down and have a conversation. And when they say, well, Daddy, you know, you want me to do that, but that wasn't the way you acted when I was a kid. I saw you... Well, son, I, I, this is hard for me to say, but daddy was wrong, and I've grown a little bit, and I've tried to do better, so just take it from experience. That's not, that's not right. I missed it. I just hate to see you. Man. Talk to them. Be truthful with them. But that, quit blaming them and talking down. That's stupid. Where'd you learn that from? Obviously not from you if it wasn't your values, so be quiet. Listen to what they believe because if you don't know what they believe, how can you instruct them otherwise? Woo, Gertrude, I didn't come to church for that. <laughs> what did you come to church for? To get rid of the guilt because what you did this week? Come to church because that's what you're supposed to. way I was raised, go to church, bless God. Hallelujah. 
Does he realize the blind at Bob Evans is growing right now as we speak? Or Golden Corral, the Buffett is going to be gone by the time. The Buffett's going to be cold, Gertrude, by the time we get in our cars. I might get a speeding ticket getting to the Buffett line. See, I'm not nervous. Because you know it's the truth. Look at, look at your neighbor and say, you know it's the truth. You know it's the truth. Oh, Lord, zero time when we turn into pumpkins if I don't let you run out to your car right now. Steph's like, I'm just a messenger. No, I'm with him. He's with me. We're one, so get mad at me, just get mad at him. Because that's who your issue's with. Your conflict's not with the preacher. See, I get this. I'm going to close, I promise. Sometime I do. I, maybe to, Here's what's hilarious, not hilarious, but here's, can I, can I do some moaning and groaning? And, can, I be, can I whimper to you like sometimes you whimper to me? Do, can I have that privilege for about two minutes? Just, is that, yeah? Here's what pastors deal with. If you got father issues, employer issues, coach issues, drill sergeant issues, like Gonzo, <laughs> Then sooner or later, no matter how much you love me, Sob will say something, do something, and you will have issues with me. And it don't have a thing to do with me. It has way back here where somebody abused you or did something to you or wasn't nice and kind to you or spanked you when they shouldn't, and whatever they did, right? Or you didn't get picked, you didn't get chosen, you didn't get to play. You had to sit on the bench, right? And what happened? Now you just have a problem with authority and I got to deal with you. But, but I, let me help you. I'm your safety blanket because it's me or hell because there's nowhere in between or a miserable life. So you can either listen to me spout for about an hour and check me out and see if I'm true or just live in darkness and be offended at every leader you have in your life, whether it's spiritual, natural, or family. Oh, quiet in the Holy Ghost house. But see, I will take a risk for you to think I'm goofy, loud, boisterous, whatever you think I am, to challenge you to move out of status quo. Challenge you to grow. I don't know. I don't want to go to those old growth events. My God, they eat that Chick-fil-A. They got 15 minutes. They got to run to the bathroom when people's jumping around. I don't even like jumping around, let alone running to the bathroom and running back to sit down again for another. Who wants to do that for nine hours? And they pay for it. Yeah. In a church, Gertrude. In a church, Gertrude. They pay for that goofy stuff. What kind of church is that Bethel anyway? Pray for our city. They misspelled the sign out there. Anybody seen that? It's supposed to be Bethel Way. It's Bethel Way. It's got an A in it. But... Hey, they got most of them. They're 90% right. That's better than most Christians, right? <laughs> Just wanted you to realize that wasn't us that did that. Just saying. We can spell most of the time. So, so I want to ask you. Maybe things that you don't like. People are not going to sit on a call. 
Zoom call with six to eight people you don't even know. And this is some leader you barely know. Teach you for an hour. I got things I got to do. Yeah, just keep doing the same old things until you die and you'll be done. And there won't be no legacy and there won't be nothing else. Just you done. You people miss you, probably. Or they might remember you. Oh, Lord, do you remember that okatankerous person? Oh, God. Let Jesus deal with Daddy now. He's with him. That's his problem. See, 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 look, look, look. Just look, look, look. You need this. You need somebody to tell you the truth. Now, I'm not telling you the truth from being a perfect man. Ask my boys. I'm close, but not per- no, I'm not even close to being perfect. <laughs> Ask Stephanie. She won't lie. She'll, that's one of her values, daggone it. She's got a value that she don't lie. Lord, I can't hide anything. <laughs> so I'll just be like you and tell you the way it is. You can stay the way you are, getting what you've been getting. Or you can do like Greg here. And I've seen this man new to the church over the last couple of years. And I've seen him on these calls and participate in everything we're doing. And this man is a different human being. Your, your anointing on your life, the peace and stuff on your life is amazing. I talked about it with Michael. I said, man, it's Greg. It just, just warms my soul to see. You were already a man of multiple careers, brilliant man. It wasn't that. It was the spiritual side. And you got hungry in that. And it took effort and it took time. But was it worth it? So he's not who he used to be. So it's up to you. You, Well, Lord, I just want to be closer to you. Then move. Lord, I want to hear you more. Then shut up and listen. Stop talking. You don't pray. You just inform God of what you want. He already knows what you want. Matthew's gospel say he knows the number of hairs on your head. And for you, that's a miracle, and I'm right there with you. No, you're not a miracle. I'm a miracle. I got three, but you don't. Chris, I'm, I'm going to catch up with Chris's haircut, I guess, or Paul's. I don't know. Not far away, that's for sure. But, but, but see, if you want to grow, you got to take, take some steps. If you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, just take some steps. We got connect groups, men's groups, women's groups, addiction groups. We got leadership groups. There's no excuse for you not to be. And you can get, you can get groups Saturday morning at 7 o'clock, Monday, Monday morning at 6.30 a.m., Monday night at 9 p.m. We got, there's no excuse. We, we got stuff around your schedule. So when you try to tell that to God, he's just going to not listen to you. Because he don't listen to foolishness. I just want to ask you as we get ready to pray, what's next for you? What's next for you? You will not go beyond your revelation. You will not live beyond what you believe. You will not live beyond what you value. Revelation is a combination of what you believe and what you value because that's the sum total of your decision-making. What you believe and what you value is a revelation you have because you can have a global belief that something's true, but if it's not part of the rules in your life, it don't matter.